1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Oostburg. Uh, I believe that that's the home of the Dutchmen. I don't know if they're Flying Dutchmen or just Dutchmen, but uh, ESPN Oostburg. One of my favorite ESPN affiliates. Always happy to hang out there up in Oostburg. And joining me, as always, will be my good friend Frank Madden. He will be along shortly, as will our good friend. From thestepian.com, Cole Zwicker, Uh, we will have the second part of our draft podcast coming up for you here in just a moment. But before we do that, uh, just wanted to catch everyone up a a little bit on some of the news. Yesterday, I mentioned the assistant coaches coming from Atlanta. That included Darvin Hamm, Taylor Jenkins, Ben Sullivan, Patrick St. Andrews, and Charles Lee. Today we learned that Sean Sweeney will also be staying in Milwaukee. He will be uh, the final assistant coach that makes up Mike Budenholzer's staff, and uh, I guess uh, that was kind of the name I think everyone was thinking about and trying to figure out if he would be there. Obviously, he's spent a lot of time with Giannis. We've talked about here on the podcast a number of times about how close those two are, how much time they've spent together, how long they've uh, you know the, how long they've worked out together, and uh, I, I just think it's, uh, it's an interesting spot because as you kind of think about all of this, I've mentioned on the podcast here, there's, there's two things that Mike Boonholzer is known for, defense and player development. Those are his two things. And Sean Sweeney was in charge of two things while he was in Milwaukee, the defense And developing Giannis. Those were his two jobs, and I just think it's going to be really interesting to see what his role is going forward because, I mean, the Hawks take a lot of pride in that player development. You've heard again and again about Hawks University. You've heard about them working on teaching, uh, you know, teaching shooting and developing wing players uh, and their jump shots. And uh, I think to me, that's going to be just really interesting to watch because. If Sweeney is still there, I can't imagine he will still be in charge of player development for Giannis. I would assume that if you take that much pride in that... If you're Mike Boonholzer, you're going to put your guy in charge. And uh, Ben Sullivan was the primary shooting instructor on that Hawk staff, and that's someone that uh, I think if you read, I think it's an article about Kyle Korv you learn a little bit more about. You read a little bit in the New York Times. You learn some more about uh, Ben Sullivan. So that's someone that Boonholzer has really trusted over the years to help develop shooters, and uh, I would assume that when you – get a hold of Giannis, you want your shooting guy working on his shot, which takes away some of Sean Sweeney's responsibility. And obviously you talk about the defense and the defense that Mike Boone ran in Atlanta does have a, a number of the same, I shouldn't say the same, but a number of similar principles as the defense that Sean Sweeney ran in Milwaukee. So uh, I'm curious, uh, you know, that, that defense that the Hawks ran, Regularly gave up a bunch of corner threes. Also regularly gave up defensive rebounds. And again, they were able to put together strong defensive performances. Unlike the Bucks, who gave up those same things. I just think it'll be curious to see how Sean Sweeney fits into all of that and, and kind of what role that he has. Because from his perspective, I think it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting opportunity because you look at him his his lone NBA coaching experience comes under Jason Kidd he, he came immediately from Northern Iowa as he worked under Ben Jacobson uh, he becomes the video director for the Brooklyn Nets then he becomes a member of Jason Kidd's bench and then he makes the trip to Milwaukee so he is firmly planted um, in the Jason Kidd coaching tree so for him I mean I think you think about the move and aside from loyalty I uh, I think the big thing you'd be thinking about is how do i expand my base how do i expand my connections and becoming a part of the mike or coaching tree seems like a fantastic opportunity so I, I think this is a big opportunity for sean sweeney and then obviously you have Giannis and his relationship and maybe there's some level of trying to appease Giannis. but i do also kind of a just try to figure out how all of this works because I can't imagine he has as strong of a role and as large of a role and as vital of a role as he did under Jason Kidd under Coach Boonholzer. So I think it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be an interesting situation. It's going to be interesting to watch because there's there's really no way to know uh, where he fits in, how he fits in who he fits in with, does he become more of a a general coach rather than a specialized uh, training coach with Giannis? And, you know, he was specialized on defense as well. So how how does he fit in? And you think through all of the people uh, that Mike Boonholzer is bringing, he's bringing all these other people and then filling in his last last spot on his bench with Sean Sweeney. And uh, Uh, To me, that screams a a lessened role and, uh, you know, trying to catch on with another group of coaches that already have a certain amount of chemistry together. They know each other well, they know what they're trying to accomplish. So he's kind of the outsider in that group. And uh, I'm just curious to see how all of this works out. And, you know, is Sweeney the one that's still traveling to Giannis or traveling with Giannis to Spain, to Greece, uh, wherever he may go this summer? Is he still that guy? So uh, I think it's going to be. Really interesting to watch because there's no way, like I said, there's no way to know from the outside exactly how all of that will work. And and I, I guess the the larger point I would try to make is I know there's a lot of people that uh, I saw it on Twitter, people freaking out like, oh, how do you keep him around? You can't have him in charge of the defense. You can't have him in charge of Giannis. And I think my first my first thought would be just chill. There's probably No chance that he has anything to do with the defense. Mike Boonholzer will be fully in charge of that. And then with the Giannis development stuff, I would assume that they're going to do everything that they can to have Ben Sullivan look at Giannis' shot and try to fix it and try to get it going. And Sweeney may be involved there because he does have such a close personal, personal relationship with Giannis. But at the same time, they have certain things that they want to accomplish in their player development uh, schemes and their player development training programs and uh, what they put together. So uh, I, that's going to take priority. <laughs> like, Sean Sweeney did, did not make some sort of power play here. Sean Sweeney was kind of allowed to come along. Like, he interviewed with coach Budenholzer and then Mike Budenholzer decided, Hey, like, you, that's fine. You can come along. So uh, I think the the interpersonal dynamics there, and the dynamics of jumping from one coaching tree to another, and joining a, a group and a coaching staff that's already well established and knows each other very well, I think is is going to be tough and interesting, and just a just a strange kind of experiment. And you do wonder maybe there is some. Something good to be had from having someone that was already in the building with the Bucks on the floor, and maybe there is something good to be had from having one of the coaches that was here in Milwaukee stick around and try to, you know, kind of help bridge the gap between the two coaching staffs. So. Yeah. It's gonna be fun we're, we're gonna see and I'm sure all of you will be sleuthing on Instagram and Twitter uh, attempting to figure out who's with Giannis and is Sweeney still there and is Sweeney still in charge I know that'll end up being uh, one of the things that all of us uh, end up getting updates on on Twitter from Buck's Twitter uh, throughout the summer but we'll have to see where all of that goes all right with all that being said, it is time for the rest of our conversation with Cole Zwicker. And it's, something that was interesting was last night, Frank legitimately shocked me when he said that point guard was the future position of need. And we talked a little bit about it on Twitter, and I think I'm going to tease that for on Monday. Obviously, Frank isn't here, and we can't have that con- that discussion now, but... I think there's something interesting there. To me, there's kind of a long-term planning and then a short-term and how you balance all that out and how you try to put a team together. So I think we might end up talking about that on Monday because I think, and this is rare, Frank and I kind of see things a little bit differently here. So uh, maybe that'll be what we end up talking about on Monday. So hopefully you'll join us for that, and we'll try to keep getting guests ready and have some more fun in the lead-up to the draft. But for now, this is part two of our conversation with coles wicker nba draft expert at the step in and all over the place all the podcasts he does a ton of great work so hopefully you enjoy the conversation and you go check out some more of his work as he'll be coming out with his big board and updating that and there's a lot of good stuff there so make sure you check him out as well all right here we go guys remember the days when you were always ready to go now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed listen up bluechew.com that's blue like the color blue bluechew.com brings you the first chewable with the same fda approved active ingredients as viagra and cialis so you know they work you can take them anytime day or night even on a full stomach and since they're chewable they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code NBA. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code NBA to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
2: I was going to ask you. I, I think in the last um, your last board, I don't think you had him rated. And I'm not sure if that's because you just haven't really gotten around to him yet, or um, or maybe you just don't really rate him very highly. But um, the Bucks are are not releasing. Uh, they're not doing really any media around their draft. Uh, workouts this year so we haven't really had it's been a lot more of a black box in previous years but um one guy that that did come in um or is that place planning to come in um is Anthony Simons who's kind of a unique um prospect and that he you know basically is a high school guy who, you know went to IMG Academy last year so you know certainly much more of a mystery box than um than what we're typically talking about with guys who played in college or Europe um any do you have any thoughts on him I mean is he a guy that that Could be in the conversation around 17 or do you view him as kind of in that like bigger glut of guys um, further down the the draft boards? Because, again, you know, especially for us, like, you know, we've we we can't really tell what to make make of a guy like that. Um, But he does have a very cool name. So, I mean, we got to talk
0: about it. Yeah, I mean, we're all kind of in the same boat with you guys as far as not really knowing exactly what to expect because he was supposed to play at the Hoop Summit. He dropped out, so I would have gotten to see him over the course of the week there. Unfortunately, he I, I'm guessing he's been being hidden as far as his instincts on the floor because he's a guy that is going to look good in workouts. He's got a smooth shot. It's a little lower, at least point-wise, but pretty dynamic as far as his handle and his transition from his handle to his pull-up is there. I I just get the feeling and the vibe based on kind of the information that we have, that he's not a very high IQ player overall. And and that's why he's being hit. So for me at 17, probably too much of a reach just because I don't think the instincts are there. Um, But you know, he can, he can score that. That's what he's done at a lower level. But I think he's even more of a mystery box than someone like Mitchell Robinson, the center who is just much more dynamic and he was much more, I guess, productive, at the AAU level. Like he really dominated play. He was one of the best rim protectors in the class right up there with Jaron Jackson, according to Mike Gribanoff who writes for the step and watches a ton of AAU basketball. So you can see the high level outcome with a guy like Mitchell Robinson. I don't know if you can say the same, um, for the guard,
1: uh, one other guy we kind of mentioned, but uh, for some reason he seems like someone that I I don't know. I just seemed to to really like him. It's Troy Brown from Oregon, a younger guy, I think he has some of that, you know, secondary, um, you know, maybe the backside action. Uh, he can create a little bit off of that. Like he, as I think about him and the type of player that you know, as I just mentioned before, that I'm looking for. Like I'm looking for do a little bit of everything. Like you don't have to be a, a knockdown three point shooter. You don't have to be the best defender. Like I just want you to be able to do a little bit of everything, so that in the end, you can play in any playoff series. And I'm curious, what are your thoughts on Troy Brown? Because he's the one, um, when when I look through all these wings, he's the one that I keep end up coming back to.
0: Yeah, he's really interesting. I loved him at lower level. I saw him at Hoop Summit uh, a year ago. And I, for the, many of the qualities you just listed, I mean, he was a high school point guard. He's six seven with a 215-pound frame. So getting a guy like that with his kind of passing anticipation combined with his handle secondarily is, is valuable. It just he's another one of those guys with a shot projection just really isn't there that you feel comfortable betting on. And he's not a high level athlete. He's an average at best athlete overall. He's not a good leaper. His posture is pretty poor. Honestly, he bends over way too much um, in his stance. And I, I just somebody aspects of his game. Like he can't even blow by some guys on closeouts. He's just not, it's not there athletically overall. I wish he was a little bit bigger so he could play the four. I think that would be his best role, but I like him. You know, he's, really well spoken he's a smart kid I think he's gonna pick up on things quickly and he has a high basketball IQ it's just he has a lot of Evan Turner type downside and that's weird just saying Evan, Tur- Evan, Evan yeah Evan Turner is making 70 million dollars so I mean <laughs> it's kind of a weird way to phrase it and put it in that kind of context but to me that's his downside or like his median outcome is more of an Evan Turner type player where he can play make but he probably needs the ball to do it most effectively, and he's not good enough with it. He's just not a good enough shooter off the ball, not going to command the gravity. So he's squarely in a range that I used to really value and miss on. He's kind of my weak spot and my blind spot, I guess you could say. As far as players, I like guys that are wings that do everything. But if you look at the modern game, what's the most important thing for wings if you don't have the ball? Yes, you, sh- you have to shoot. And if you can yeah. shoot off mo- movement, that makes you super valuable. So he kind of goes against that archetype. One one
2: question I want to ask. So obviously we haven't been focusing much on you know by design the guys that that aren't going to be available at seventeen. Um, but one thing that Eric and I have talked about really the last couple of years has been um, the idea of and, and again the Bucks. I, I don't think the Bucks have traded up in the first round since uh, they traded up to take Tractor Trailer in, <laughs> in the the infamous uh, Dirk Nowitzki trade uh, like twenty years ago. But um, Obviously, as fans, we love talking about trade-ups, right? We love dreaming of getting those players that, that really should be out of our team's range. Um, and I know, like, Eric and I have talked... Like, last year, we talked about, like, well, should the Bucks consider trying to trade up to, like, mid-to-late lottery? You know, could, could you... Get, You know, package Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, a year ago, we talked about, like, well, could you package Malcolm Brogdon in the 17th pick to try to move up and get, you know, at the time we were talking about like Nilakina or or Dennis Smith, right? Guys who were in the kind of that mid lottery Mm -hmm. range. Um, And this year, you know, Brogdon is kind of, I mean, the, the, the ticking clock on Brogdon's free agency, I think, obviously is even more acute now given that. Um, you know, he's just a year away from restricted free agency and the Bucs have to figure out, I mean, what, you know, what does this guy mean to you? How valuable is he? Where does he fit in the broads, you know, the kind of grander scheme of, of your team? And um, so, I mean, again, whatever. It could be Malcolm Brogdon. I, I don't know if there are any other kind of, like, obvious guys that you could really use to to move up in a draft at this point, but, um, you know, as you think about, like, okay, a team like the Bucks, given the kind of needs that we've talked about, the, you know, existing personnel they have, um, you know, we have talked about a guy we talked about simply was Trey Young, you know, like if Trey Young lasted to, you know, for instance, the eighth spot, and there's some, you know, scenario where Cleveland, who knows, right? I mean, I, I'm not saying Cleveland would want to do a trade like that, but um, but if there is some way that you could get in the, you know, let's say the middle of the, the lottery, um, I mean, is there a guy that if, if you're the GM of the Bucks that, you know, if you're moving up, that's the guy that you would want to target? Like as you think about those guys, you know, not the, absolute top of the draft guys the donches and jacksons and ayton's and those guys but um, as you kind of look maybe into the more middle of of the the lottery um, is there anybody that kind of jumps out to you as like hey if, if you were going to actually go all in to try to move up in the draft that's the guy that if you're the bucks you would be really interested in looking at or, or a couple of guys
0: yeah that's really interesting trey young is the guy that pops to me the most because i think he's the best player of the guys or the kind of grouping that you mentioned but you have to go through LeBron and you have to go through the Warriors to win the title w- with Giannis right now, and I just don't think that Trey Young's tenable against those teams in this stage. Like maybe four or five years down the road, he becomes tenable, but it's going to be tough going for him. But the talent might be so good, and of course, he fits next to Giannis with his shooting ability. I really actually like Miles Bridges a lot on the Bucks. I think that he can just immediately fill a role, and you know he can play off the ball. He's He's become a high-level shooter. He really improved. I don't know why. He probably doesn't get enough credit for this, but he really improved between his freshman and sophomore years as a shooter. He can shoot off movement at really high volume. And I think playing off a guy like Giannis, he has versatility right now that can help immediately too. So Miles Bridges even might fall to like the 11-12 the range. I don't think he probably gets by Denver at 14, so it would require moving up a couple spots potentially, but I, I really like his fit on the Bucks in particular because, again, he can shoot, and he's a switchable defensive player. He's explosive. He's not a high-level team defender. The other guy, of course, would be, like, a Mikhail Bridges who isn't the level of athlete that Miles is, but he's a much higher IQ team defender who has the length. He kind of profiles similar to a Chris Middleton type, just getting all of the versatile wings. I think that's, that's the play, and at that point in the draft, the other high-profile guys like Michael Porter, uh, I, I don't know what to do with Michael Porter. Like, I... I <laughs> I think that on the Bucks, it would be kind of interesting. Honestly, like line-ups with him and Giannis in the front court just because he has the standing reach of a center. Like He's bigger. He's more of a big to me than he is a wing. He gets mostly wing comps, but I think he's more of a 4-5. It just He kind of has similar Jabari-type defensive issues, but with a better shooter. Some of the character stuff has been pretty underwhelming in the draft process. I'm not sure if I would trade a lot of assets to acquire him at this juncture. I think ESPN had him at 15 in one of the... Yeah.
1: Yeah, drafts, and that's
0: that. that's not a good sign. Like he's a much better talent than that, in my opinion. And if he's dropping to fifteen, I think it's more of a, a warning sign than it is a potential mm-hmm. area for value. Mo Bamba is the other high profile guy in this range. I think he's more of a developmental big, but obviously he's going to appeal. <laughs> I guess more traditional. I guess in the past, Bucks front office members <laughs> would, would have been high on him just because of the wingspan. And of course, like if he can shoot the ball, he's another guy that's been working with Drew Hanlon. The upside is enormous with him, I think he, I mean, people say Gobert, the jump shot, he can actually put the ball on the floor, too, and dribble a little bit, so it just depends on physical development with him, and how much you buy that, and how much you want to invest over time, but he's more of a long-term guy, but clearly you can't really (laughs) argue with the upside there, it it definitely exists, but it's, I'm not sure how willing I'd be to bet on it, necessarily.
2: Porter Porter is, I I find Porter really interesting, just because you know, again, like a, a year ago, we were talking about him as like a top top overall pick potentially and and obviously now that you know for for various reasons you mentioned i think maybe you know everybody i think who follows the draft at all knows obviously he was injured this year and and obviously a back injury is the kind of thing that who knows right maybe that draws you a red flag maybe you know teams just say hey you know we're not going to touch you with the top 10 pick or whatever um but did you see that he's only
1: sending out the bulls doctors information
2: uh i know i did not see that so he's
1: doing he's like the only medical yeah, he information is he's going to, he got his medicals done with the bulls and that's the people like that information is the medical information he's sending out which trusting the bulls medical staff my god
2: i mean they're used to seeing tibbs players so, i mean they're probably like you know if you're if you're not like you don't have the back of a you know 50 year old man then they're they're probably pretty happy um <laughs> but I I have to say I was I when I saw Cole you mentioned I mean him seeing him 15th in that mock draft I just immediately was like wait a minute what like you know could Michael Porter be like the random guy on draft night that just shockingly falls you know way further than kind of certainly us casual people would have expected and so that kind of got me thinking not really as a trade-up target but just as a like well what if he randomly falls into your lap you know do you (laughs) do you roll the dice on him and um, you know, personally, I would. You know, again, n- not even knowing very much about Porter relative to you know certainly a lot of these guys. I mean, I would say screw it. Like, I mean, you're the Bucks, right? You you clearly could use another like just star gamble type player. You don't really expect to necessarily find that guy at 17. So, uh, hey, what whatever you know, <laughs> like, I'd roll the dice. But at the same by the same token, he does seem like kind of a weird fit with Giannis, just because. You know, certainly. I, I also thought. You know, previously, I thought coming into college, I was like, "Oh, that guy's like, you know, a small forward." And then you see the measurables, and you're just like, "That guy's like a power forward with like verging on center lo- measurables at this point." Um, so, but but again, and maybe that's maybe that's a positive. And hey, if that's the cover you need to, you know, make sure you don't go all in on a bad Jabari Parker contract. You know, that maybe that's also a positive.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a weird fit. A big. On the bucks, just because ideally, I mean, they need rebounding, they need interior rip protection and stuff. And Thonmaker, of course, isn't the best rebounder as far as in traffic, especially, and then just that level of physicality needed. But you also need somebody that can shoot. I think ideally, and some of the bigs in this range, like Robert Williams, I think, is really switchable. He reminds me the most of Clint Capella of any of the bigs on the class, as far as yeah. like quick twitch athleticism on the perimeter, lob threat, but he can't shoot. So, do you want that guy next to Giannis? It's gonna, the floor is going to be too. Compacted, and I hate to do this to Bucks fans, but honestly, the, my favorite center in this range didn't end up coming out, and that's Jante Porter. I thought that, I mean, he doesn't, have the fish- <laughs> he doesn't have <laughs> the physicality on the interior as far as, like, high-level rebounding stuff, but as, like, a playmaking five next to Giannis, he can really shoot it. Um I, I, I don't, I don't want to talk, talk too much about Indy Fox Bay, especially <laughs> <just laughs> after Donovan Mitchell last year. But that's the kind of <laughs> player that I'm trying to gear towards. So, Robert Williams, Mitchell Robinson, both those guys are like rim running fives, and I think they're both f- top 15 talents to me but do you really want to put a big like that around Giannis? It's really tough.
1: Yeah. Man, I, I think Frank's heart is broken again. again you picked out your <laughs> – like, he was talking about Jontay. I don't even remember. Like a month ago, we were kind of talking about draft prospects, and uh, that was someone that Frank brought up, and then uh, obviously he did not stay in the draft. Um, I guess uh, let's take – so I guess th- this is where it gets difficult because the Bucks don't have a second-round pick. Um, and I think every Bucks fan ever, um, that has ever existed just desperately wants to live in a world where the Bucks buy a second round pick, uh, because typically it's the exact opposite. Typically they're selling away second round picks and everyone pulls their hair out because why wouldn't you just take that flyer on that cheap player? Because as we talk about regularly, you know, the value in the NBA is that the guys that are paid the very most, but are capped out and the guys that are are paid the very least at the bottom so why not take that chance there um i guess if you're buying a second round pick that means you're probably buying a pick somewhere between 31 and 40 like uh, uh, you can buy them lower but i feel like if you're buying a pick you typically have someone that you've picked out and you're saying this is someone that we love who would be uh, a guy that you really think could be available in the second round and would be someone that you know you just really love as a prospect
0: yeah there's two guys from this list that i have as first round grades i guess you could say i have like top 24 and after that it's kind of an I'll, it's a huge amassing of guys that i'm not sure fit in a specific nba role or, or whatnot there's a lot more uncertainty but two guys that could be available in the second round one definitely will be one might and probably will be. First guy is Landry Schmet. He's the might-be guy just because of the off-movement shooting. As far as he's 6'4", so he doesn't have that same Kevin six 6'7 size, and he's more diminutive as far as frame. But he played point guard at Wichita State. He has some ball skills. Uh, he has okay length, six seven wingspan, so plus three. But he can really shoot the ball off movement. I think that he can, he can really – he fills a role, especially next to Giannis. This is one of the things that allows – the Bucks more enhanced team-building options. You don't have to take a conventional point guard necessarily, a guy who needs the ball. You can take more of like a 3-and-D kind of point guard who can really shoot. And Shemette is a top-five shooter in the class to me as well. So getting a guy like that in the second round had some problems at the combine as far as getting his shot off at times because he's got a little bit of a lower release at his size. But I do think he's an NBA player. Um, he's still pretty young, too. So I, I like Shemet on the Bucks quite a bit. And then for me personally, just in a vacuum, Kenrich Williams is... Probably my biggest sleeper of the entire class. He's older, so he's already almost 23 and a half. So he's definitely going in the second round, probably the latter half of the second round. But really advanced feel for the game six-seven. He's got ball skills. Kind of like the things you noted about Troy Brown. He brings that, and he's a little bit better of an athlete. He's also a little more cerebral. It uh, has a more projectable jump shot. He's not a high-level shooter off movement or anything, but I think he can make a spot three. He can dribble, and he's a really high... Dis- Level decision maker who has really great defensive footwork. All of us at the stepping, he kind of reminds us of a hybrid of like a Joe Ingles and a Jared Dudley. So just that hmm. kind of role player. And I think for the Bucks, I, it might allure to are a lot more than maybe some of the management in the past as far as getting a cerebral guy like that at 67 not a ton of upside of course due to his age he's probably not going to improve but i don't think he really needs to to fill a role but he's definitely more of a role player type and you don't i'm not sure if in this draft you're going to have a guy in the second round that has a ton of ton of upside i think those guys are mostly going to be exhausted in the top 25 picks or so
1: one person i'm going to ask about because i'm just genuinely curious how draft folks view him Grayson Allen. I think he's gonna be I think he's on the older side of being a senior. <laughs> I, I knew you were gonna ask uh, about Grayson Allen. But <laughs> we have not, I, I mean we talked about him what, like two, two years, years ago at this point? Like that <laughs> was someone that I don't would, think
2: we yeah, I don't think we've talked about him since, but for some reason I was looking at uh I was looking at uh, uh Cole's board here and um I was just thinking like who might be interesting for 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 Eric to ask about? And of course, yes, Grayson Allen, the the, the <laughs> beloved Grayson Allen.
0: I mean, he can definitely shoot the ball, and I think he can attack closeouts. So you start there with his projection. Sean Darenthal, who I do the Ode to Oden NBA Draft podcast with, he really likes Grayson Allen. He thinks he's a first-round pick, so Allen definitely has his fans. And, of course, all of the intangible issues that we've seen manifest on the floor and off, the character stuff – that devalues him a little bit overall. But you look at his game, he does have an NBA skill set and the ability to shoot. He can handle the ball a little bit secondarily. In that range, I, 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 I'm fine with it, frankly. I, I don't think he's a guy that I'm super excited about, but it would not shock me if he carved out a long career in the NBA because he can do valuable things. Like If you can shoot the ball and you have some positional size and you're not a complete negative on defense, I, I don't know, maybe he's going to be a complete negative. It's kind of touch and go with me. He's maybe a little bit high level. He's a higher level... Dis- team defender than he probably gets credit for in certain capacities but yeah in the second round i don't think he's like a clear like go get him trade up candidate but if, if the bucks were to buy a pick and, and selected him I, I wouldn't i wouldn't hate it at all
1: frank you got anything else
2: no what what more can we look forward to do you have any uh big big plans here obviously we're getting up to, to crunch time of the draft anything else we should be looking at for you Uh, on the step-in or or anywhere else, Cole?
0: Yeah, I should finally get to actually producing my big board. I'm not going to have time to do all of the individual installments that I wanted to, but next week I'm going to start you know, probably with profiling at least the top five guys, and then doing more of a a general board where I touch on a bunch of different guys, so look for that coming up. We're going to have a live draft show on the step-in. We're still figuring out how to do the video and how we want to incorporate different components of that, but we should do that. I know The Ringer's doing one as well. as well as of course, ESPN is going to be the main main feature for everybody. But if, if guys want to like maybe watch something on the side of when you watch the draft live, uh, we'll tweet out links for that um, on the on draft day.
2: I was joking. I was joking this this afternoon to you guys that you know we really I really need to get uh, Jalen Rose making like random uninformed comments <laughs> about uh, college oh, players it. on draft night. I I, I mean I, I understand Jalen's entertaining, but I just like still don't understand why he has been involved in in, in ESPN's like live draft coverage. But uh, whatever, I, I I say to everyone, if you want to actually hear people talking about the draft who actually know these players, um, you can't do any better than, uh, than Cole and the folks at the Stepien. So um, be sure to check out uh, all the good stuff that you guys have going there. And as Eric was saying, thank God that you guys have really kind of blown it out this year because um, with the demise of Draft Express and sort of the you know, lack of, you know, the lack of competition, you know, we, as much as I was not necessarily a Chad Ford fan, I, I would say it was at least nice to have like multiple like mocks from people that were at least somewhat informed. Um, and obviously um, now uh, you guys are, are filling a role that's a, as, as crucial as ever. And I, I think also just the way you guys also do, you know, the composite rankings and you guys have your tiers. Um, I think it's a much more, I would say, intellectually honest way to do draft yeah. rankings. Cause I think that's something that, you know, has always sort of you know made me scratch my head this idea that you know there's a a one through whatever hundred that you know again every player is is demonstrably different from the player after them Eh, let's be (laughs) honest like there's a there's a lot more of a fudge factor in this than maybe people want to admit so i appreciate you guys using the tiering approach because um i think that you know is definitely a, a more realistic way to do it and also i'm i mean going back to you know reading when you did most of your stuff on your your own personal blog Um, the way you kind of categorize players, you know, in terms of like their NBA roles. um, I think that also is really helpful too, because it kind of gives people a a view on, okay, what, what is this guy maybe like, right? Rather than just picking, you know, if it's a white guy, then pick another white guy to compare him to. (laughs) Um, Actually talking about what the player will be like in the role. I think that's also been really helpful. So Cole, thanks for fighting the good fight for, for all of us uh, trying to figure out this, this whole draft stuff. And uh, thanks so much. And, Hey, well, we, we love having you on every year, and um, at some point, at some point, the Bucks this this pick that the Bucks have is going to convey to, to the Phoenix Suns. So, at some point, we're not going to have a first round draft pick to talk about, but I think we're going to have to keep bringing you back, you know, just to just to talk about the draft. We're not going to have uh, I, I don't know if we're going to have much to talk about in June otherwise. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll definitely make make it an annual thing
0: course man. any time I'll, I'll be happy to come on talk for an hour about second round guys so <laughs> <laughs> i think that's, that's that probably says a lot about me i'm just not sure exactly what
1: <laughs> so final thought herder at 17 that should be the guy that people get excited about
0: yeah the three guys i was going to bring this up really quick three guys i would look for kevin herder d melton smith i think those are the three guys perimeter and then mm. interior robert williams mitchell robinson but Yeah, Herder is the guy for me that makes the most conceptual sense, both short term and long term.
1: All right. Sounds good. A lot of good information. Cole, we appreciate it as always. Thanks, guys.